With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, before we leave Lambeau Field, Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here to break down the Minnesota Vikings 21-16 loss in epic fashion here in Green Bay. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. So, all right, Judd, um, I would like to begin by just saying this, by channeling Denny Green and saying Kirk Cousins is who we thought he was and he let them off the hook. And them being the Green Bay Packers, who allowed an incredible comeback by the Minnesota Vikings, and Cousins let them off the hook with a confounding, baffling, bizarre choice to heave it up into the end zone, only to be intercepted by cornerback Kevin King. And Cousins, for the umpteenth time since he came to Minnesota, did something completely confusing and puzzling that makes no sense whatsoever that ultimately led to a loss reaction well it's very very simple and and it's not surprising by this point um if you have not come to the conclusion that if you put the game in kirk cousins hands to win you are naive and not very smart that's the only the only conclusion that you can come to now. This is why when he threw 10 passes against the Falcons, Matthew, we all said, or I said, okay, he's going to have to throw more than 10 times. But honestly, this is great because the game is not in his hands. And he can manage to make positive plays. But if you do what you did in the third quarter of today's game on, by the way, first down, and by the way, you are running the ball. Dalvin Cook is having a day to remember, just a great day. And your success in that drive is all on the ground. Up until that awful, godforsaken pass by Cousins on that drive, he had thrown one pass for five yards to your tight end, Kyle Rudolph. And that was it. Everything else was running. I believe I tallied it up. It was like 41 yards on the ground. And Dalvin Cook's going great guns. And on first down, you say to Kirk, now pass. And what happens? The offensive line breaks down, which they're going to do. That's part of the deal here, all right? They break down, and Cousins retreats, and instead of making sure that the ball ends up in the first row of the stands at Lambeau Field, he throws into double coverage and just a beyond bizarre, dumb pass. But, you know, this is Cousins' fault. This is the Vikings' fault, because why on earth, why right now would anybody put the ball in his hands? And by the way, you can run block, And by the way, you've got, I would think, a guy that we can now two weeks in say is one of the best running backs in the National Football League who does not fumble. Adrian Peterson, the one thing that you always feared was, oh, my God, he's going to fumble. He doesn't do that. Dalvin Cook is a marvelous player. And and the end of what the Vikings did in the third quarter of that game or fourth to blow that game today is really encapsulates the fact of if you if you basically take the Kirk Cousins stew and say, go to it. Nine times out of ten, it's some way, shape, or form is going to let you down. Okay, let's do, let's do immediate pie chart of blame here. Kirk Cousins, Kevin Stefanski for the play call, also for the rest of the uh, entire game of things being botched. The referees are a big part of this. The pass protection is also a big part of this. The offensive line, as you mentioned, got completely mauled. Give me your blame percentages across the board for the Vikings loss in Green Bay you know what I'm gonna make it I'm ordinarily the guy that splits it up into lots and lots of pieces but on this one you've we're talking about an 84 million dollar guaranteed contract 
I'm going to say 95% is on your quarterback. Do your job. And 5% is the fact that my guy, Koobs, who, by the way, I've applauded since the day he got here, and I thought the Atlanta game plan was fantastic. And today, they came back. A lot of what they did today, play calling-wise, was very smart. But why on earth Kirk Cousins was put in a position? Zimmer said, we thought we would catch the Packers off guard. No, dude. That's No, that's not why you do this. You know that Kirk Cousins is having a bad day. You know what Cousins is about. You're running the ball incredibly well. It's first down. This isn't a desperation third down attempt. Fourth quarter, you're about to come down at Lambeau Field after being down 21-0 and take a lead, and you do that. I'll give 5% to what is an idiotic play call, but you know what? I'm not going to let the quarterback off the hook. 95%. You are paid guaranteed cash to win that game, and you can't even be trusted to make the pass. So I go back and forth a little bit on this because calling a pass play in that situation, especially with Kirk Cousins' history in the red zone, he has not ever really been a spectacular quarterback in the red zone. And I remember this, Judd, going back to the day that they signed him and I went through the videotape of the 2017 season. You will find a big game between Washington and Philadelphia. He drives his team down into the red zone and Cousins throws the most baffling interception that you've ever seen in your life in a situation in which he could easily throw the ball away boom interception Philly takes the ball goes down and scores again or whatever happened after that and I came away saying this is exactly who you're signing to this $84 million deal is a guy who can be great at times. His throw to Stefan Diggs for a touchdown is marvelous. The 45-yard throw, it's right on the money. And last week you mentioned, even though he threw 10 passes, there were several that were just dimes. I mean, plus passes that hit guys on the money, right on the run. And then there are other times where he just seems to not have it in one particular instance or another that he either gets anxious or confused or can't keep his head about him. I mean, this is a guy, and I hate to keep going back to these plays, but they just keep piling up, who uh, kneeled down instead of spiked once. He is the guy who threw it backwards to Latavius Murray when Adam Thielen was standing there wide open. He's the guy that threw a backward pass in Philadelphia when they were up and about to win the game. I mean, this is the type of stuff that he has always done for his entire career. And then you get down in this situation where you are truck sticking the other team. Seven runs for 47 yards on that drive alone. And all you have to do is give the ball to Delvin Cook and you probably score and you probably win the way the Vikings defense clamped it down in the second half. And your play call is to have this guy, this guy, this is not Aaron Rodgers. This is not Drew Brees. This is not Tom Brady. This is a guy who routinely in big games, in big venues like this, on games that a lot of people are paying attention to, has routinely throughout his career thrown away football games. And he tried to do it in this very game last year, and the referees wouldn't let him when Clay Matthews right. sacked him. But he tried to make a baffling first down, launch the ball down the field for an interception throw, and it was overturned. He did it in New Orleans with a pick six. He did it on and on and on with mistakes that he makes in these big situations and big games. And to call a pass there, I just, uh, like, come on, Kevin Stefanski. You have seen this guy play, right? Like, you know who he is. You know who Delvin Cook is. This was about as dominant of a performance as you'll ever see from a running back in the year 2019, two weeks in a row. I mean, he can make any tiny hole into a 75-yard touchdown. Alexander Madison looks like he's a good player. Give the ball to literally anyone except for him. And, yes, he is absolutely responsible for his actions. But this guy cannot help himself but to do this in the biggest circumstances. So if you have any opportunity, especially on first down, to protect him from himself, then you should do it. But I'm so confounded now and confused because, my God, I, I hate the play call. But he can't throw that ball away. And that ball has to go into the first row of the seats. And he's like, fading like he away, too. Like if, yeah, he is on the run. He doesn't understand. His, his processing is, is so poor. And here's the problem. So a year ago, exactly this time, week two, we're here. And, yes, Cousins threw the, the pass that, uh, that Matthews got the penalty for. It was a pick, but they called it the penalty because uh, Clay had too much weight land on Kirk and all that good stuff. But if you recall, we left here with a guy who I think had thrown for 400-plus yards, had statistically looked really good. I mean, there was something there, and you said to yourself, wow, you know what? 
I wonder if if the Vikings before they tied that game at 29 all, I wonder if they had fallen down like that to the Packers in 2018, if Case Keenum could have brought them back. And we all said Kirk played so well at times in that game. And you thought to yourself, oh, this might be the Vikings offense now. And that disintegrated and deteriorated. And, and DeFilippo got fired and Cousins began to struggle. But now, Matthew, we're to a point where, what do you have here? Are you Super Bowl? Like, Seward, this guy was brought here. This, he was now. I get it. The defense is the key thing here. But he was brought here as the piece of we don't trust Keenum, so we're going to sign Cousins because he's just better. And today, this guy looked lost. He looked. This is as timid, as afraid, as poorly as I've seen him play. And I think I would include the uh, the Patriots and Seahawks games last year, because at least in those games. Like the play calling was going sideways, and he is now in his offense. Matthew, this is this is the Kubiak Shanahan. Let's make Kirk comfortable offense. This is the this is the concert tour that's supposed to make Kirk the featured star, right? You can't trust him. You can't trust him to do anything. Like Zimmer was asked a question by a national media member today, which was very fair. Which is which is how do you think that this guy is the guy to lead your team, or how can he be to a Super Bowl? And now Mike, and to Mike's credit, he thought long and hard. Like this was not a Mike, because Mike is frustrated, I'm sure, and Mike is PO'd. But he thought long and hard and said, and eventually came down to, well, he made some good throws today. Don't forget the digs throw. And yes, he struggled at times, but we just, and, here, and here's the kicker. Fifth year in, Cousins? Eighth year? Eighth year in. Eighth Fifth year as a starter, okay. eighth year eight, in the NFL. Eight I years think. in. Yeah. He is making a guaranteed $84 million over three years. And the end of Zimmer's quote was something along the lines of, we just have to continue to coach him up and get him to play the way we want? Think, I mean, forget today. Forget week two. Think about that. He's now thrown 10 times in one game. Okay, that worked. And today you needed him, and your and you're default, you are so lost with him. We need to play him. We need to coach him up? Well, I think that... Uh, the entire offseason has been an indictment on Kirk Cousins and how they feel about him because this is a team that talks nonstop about running the football. I mean, when you have an $84 million quarterback, you really shouldn't be talking nonstop about how you want to build your team around running. Look at this offensive line. This offensive line is the biggest indictment of Kirk Cousins and how they feel about him. They drafted a guy who's a great run blocker and a horrific pass blocker at this point. He will get better for sure, but we warned you about this in year one with Garrett Bradbury and pass protection. And these guys, he's going up. Kenny Clark was literally carrying him backwards today. He got pancaked and took an, uh, a holding penalty, which is kind of hard to do at the same time. Usually, and he like, held all day. Because he grabbed on for dear life. But he has done some really good things in run blocking. Uh, Pat Elfline, who didn't play today, is more of a run blocker. They signed a guy in Josh Klein who's more of a run blocker, who's got pretty good quickness and mobility. Brian O'Neill at right tackle right now is probably a better pass protector, but he's got the athleticism. That's what they talked about. We can pull with him. And Riley Reef is a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. They built the offense to run the football, which tells you, yeah, they think they're going to win with Delvin Cook and not with Kirk Cousins. But this is the problem with that strategy is that at some point your quarterback has to make plays in NFL games in this year of 2019 right like that is what you have to do to win games how many teams that you would vote for a Super Bowl chance could you say well yeah they're going to do it with running like very very few right I mean even of all time very very few 1978 it would have been great I mean even back then like if you go back to the 70s and you look at expected points added which kind of evens the playing field guess who ranks number one in passing offense constantly the Pittsburgh Steelers they didn't throw it as often as teams do now but Terry Bradshaw great quarterback right so th- there are very few teams that you could say even in the history of this league who have just run the ball and played defense even the Giants with, uh, with Parcells had a great quarterback in Phil Sims who made big plays so if that's what you're going to do then I guess you got to go all in and hand the ball off there all the way down the field or Cousins is going to do something where this happens well he can dump passes off too I mean he just can't this, is, this has gotten to the point now, though, where, where un- unfortunately, what we saw today, if this continues in big games, Matthew, people are going to lose their jobs. Oh, sure, like, yeah. Like, yep. like he is – and he is going – he's going backwards right now. 
He's going backward. And here's my next question. When do the receivers start to get fed up if they're not by this point, which they, they probably privately are. They looked like him. it today. When yep. does when does a defense which gave up which did not play well at first, gave up 14 points, but also gave up a touchdown because Kirk fumbled again for a short field. Yep. When does the defense start to say, when's the offense going to do their, their job? These are human things. Yeah. Like this is, this is not, you can't just say, well, we've got a good bunch of guys and they're all going to stick together. At some point in time, these questions have to be asked and you don't pay a quarterback this much to fold like he folded today. So I want to tell you a tale because this is what I was reminded of today with Kirk Cousins at the podium, and he was taking responsibility. I will give him credit for his post-game press conference. That's as really far as I could go today, that he did what he should have done many times last year and just say, you know what, that was on me, and I'm sorry, and that's what he did today. Uh, the year was 2012, Judd, and I was a member of the Buffalo media, or just getting started in the Buffalo media around that time. Mm -hmm. And there was a quarterback named Ryan Fitzpatrick who had been given a contract extension and who they had said, you know what, he's good enough. If we play defense and if we run the ball, we've got a great running back and everything else. And if we design our system around Ryan Fitzpatrick. And there was a moment that year where he botched a game. It was against Indianapolis, I believe, where he threw a late game interception and everybody went, you know what, this is just who this guy is and he went to the podium and he said it's my fault I'm sorry I'm gonna fix it I'm gonna correct it and this and this and this and they finished the year six and ten because that's how it went with Ryan Fitzpatrick and it always goes because he's never gonna change and Kirk Cousins is a better version he's never going to change ever he's going to always be Kirk Cousins he's going to put up big yards when they're way down he's going to protect the lead if you're up and you're running the ball well, and your defense is playing great. But I gave you the stat. He is now 11-34-2 when he, his defense allows 21 points in his career. Those shootouts that he referenced, he usually doesn't win them. Like in the big games against the winning team, since he's been a member of the Minnesota Vikings, last year won one game, and it was against Philly, who wasn't even a winning team at the time. And then, you know, this year here, you get to face a team that looks like a winning team and you lose. I mean, well, how much bigger of a sample size do you need? And I don't know what else to do about that. I mean, Zimmer says, got to coach him up. Well, you really just have to hold on for dear life and hope that there's only so many of these meltdowns and that you win the games you're supposed to win. And then you go to the playoffs and have a chance. And that's kind of where you're at right now. But like you said to me, at some point during the offseason, you said if the offense does not hold up, what are the chances that this defense gets really frustrated? It happened in 2016. A game like today, when the defense is, like you said, given a short field, was one of their touchdowns because of a fumble. And last year they had a lot of those because of fumbles and interceptions. And then they murder Aaron Rodgers the rest of the game. Yep. The Packers couldn't do a thing. They're punting constantly. They're fumbling. And they're making all sorts of mistakes. And you, you have every opportunity in the world to come back, and you don't. I mean, this is who he's always been, and I don't know what else to do about it. I mean, there isn't, like, an easy fix where you could say, oh, well, just run with Delvin, or just do this, or just don't call a pass play, or whatever else. Like, it's not a good play call, but what, are you going to not pass all season in big games and big situations? This is kind of just what they're stuck with, and the only hope that this team has is – that their schedule maybe isn't quite as hard as we thought to begin with, and they can beat Detroit in those games and maybe split with Chicago well, if they get a great performance. Hope, I mean, this is hope, kind of where we're at. Their hope has to be, and and over the course of, what, 14 games left, this is probably not – this is probably not all that uh, realistic to say. Their hope has to be that their defense basically wins the majority of their games, that they can take nice leads. But this is, I'll go back to what I said before. This was test one of Kirk in the Kubiak offense. Like this was supposed to be the fix. This was supposed to make him comfortable. This was, if it was all DeFilippo's fault through the first 13 games of 2018, this was now supposed to be his guy. Everything was geared towards him. And what we have basically, what we saw was in, in a moment which was, you know, for week two big against your chief rival in their stadium, we saw him melt. And I don't mean on that one play. He melted this entire game. Oh, the like, whole like game. This yep. entire game. A year, a year ago in week two, I thought, you know, he's got some problems here, but this is pretty impressive. Today, he melted the entire game. And here's the frustrating thing. And if you're a Vikings fan, this is what should tick you off to no end. The Green Bay Packers were desperate to give the Vikings this game. The Green Bay Packers went up 21-0 and played a stupid of game at times, as I've seen. Rodgers admitted 
that when they could have tacked on a field goal at the end of the second quarter, that he thought it was a first down, lost track, ran a play on which, by the way, the defense threw the guy for a two-yard loss. The Vikings go down the field. They appear to score a touchdown, and we, we should actually talk about this. We will. It's wiped out by uh, an OPI on Cook, but you get a field goal. But nonetheless, the Packers did a lot of things that begged you to basically come back and win mm -hmm. this game. This was as good of opportunity when, when you thought that you were dead because they looked dead at one point. But when the Vikings and their fan base – we're tweeting about, oh, we're dead here. The Packers basically got down on their hands and knees and said, please take this game. Yep. We're, we're going to play a stupid and poor game from here on out as possible. And you couldn't do it. You couldn't. And, and by the way, too, what also is frustrating is this is the type of game why you sign a guy like Cousins. Yep. Oh, my God, he brought you back. That was fantastic. It was ugly, but it was, oh, it was great, right? You signed the guy to the contract to bring you back in a venue like this, in a situation like this, with a team that starts to fold, which the Packers certainly did, and you still didn't get it done. If I'm a Vikings fan, I am livid. And, and if I'm the Vikings, I am too, because right now, other than the fact I, my defense is good and my running back is fantastic, I don't really know what to do here too. Yep. Like, what, like to, to your point, what do, what do you do here now? Do you just say, well, we'll get them next week? That's the only thing you can do is to keep playing and hope that the strategies that you've designed for Cousins to be better help him be better. But you know what's going to start creeping up is that last year there were excuses, I felt like, and a lot of people made them, not so much me, for Kirk Cousins that, oh, well, Tom Compton's playing guard and the offensive line was so bad and the offensive coordinator was clueless and everything else. Well, Gary Kubiak's here. You drafted a first-round offensive lineman and you signed another guy to $10 million guaranteed or whatever it was for Josh Klein. And you have two elite receivers. You have one of the best running backs I've ever seen in my life, Delvin oh, Cook. I yeah, mean, the way great. he's playing, seven yards a carry today. And he doesn't fumble, really. I, and, No, he does not. he doesn't not. fumble. That's and it. he catches the ball and he pass I projects. I mean, this guy, like, is Ezekiel Elliott 2.0, right, with the way that, uh -huh. that uh, Delvin Cook plays and might even be faster straight line than Ezekiel Elliott. So he's got everything here for him. And when he comes up short in a game like this, and he has a QBR, you're familiar with ESPN's 1 to 100 stat yeah, QBR? how bad is it? A 4. 1 to 100, it's a 4. Yeah. That might be the worst of his career. It's I would assume that it is. By the way, it's well-earned. Oh, absolutely. That is right. I think for single game scores, QBR usually gets it right. Um, sometimes PFF can be a little weird if your team is down and you play well with the throws. They'll only grade the throws. Uh, but QBR tries to factor in the game situation. His was a four out of 100. Uh, and But these things happen. I did a whole chart when they signed him of all of his games he'd ever played by QBR. And there were many that were like this, that were under 30 or 20, where the quarterback gives you no chance to win a football game. And I think, though, the impact of a game like this is... Of course, you got the Raiders next week, which really helps. It's like a bounce-back game. You get to play Oakland at home. Um, but we have seen this game blown before last year in Week 3. But here's – with the excuses off the table, you even have two good running backs now. Even Chad Beebe made a play. You have a number three receiver who they can make plays. Made a hell of a play. Great play. What happens with that is, A – the people inside the locker room who were already frustrated with him last year, very early on with something like this, start to say, oh, my gosh, the, the quarterback. This was what happened at times with Case Keenum when teammates questioned him and whether he could keep it up. They said, gosh, can he really keep this up? I mean, are we going to blow a great season because our quarterback just isn't good enough? And with Kirk Cousins, a game like this will have the same effect inside the locker room where he revealed that on the sideline, everyone was saying, why didn't we run the ball? Think about that. Think about that type of trust in Kirk Cousins from people on the sideline when they're saying, why didn't we run the ball instead of giving it to you, the $84 million quarterback? So you have already a game like this. It is just one game and it's just week two and you're just one and one, but you have that, okay, a blown game where it's completely on the quarterback. Then people start to get anxious. And then I also think too, Judd, that last year there were a lot of fans who wanted to say, oh, come on, man, give Kirk Cousins a break. He threw for 4,000 yards. He threw for 30 touchdowns. I haven't gotten any of that. I mean, through like week one when he got sacked and stripped for a fumble and he played pretty well, though, and, and everything that happened out here today, no one says it isn't his fault. No one says you're too hard on him anymore. I mean, this is 
It, this could be if there are more of these types of games where it's a fan base against the guy, it's a locker room against the guy, it's people up here getting well, criticized in the coaching boxes for their calls. I mean, th th this right here has, has the potential, if it doesn't get turned around, in my mind, in Chicago, where he has to play extremely well now. If that doesn't happen, then you're going to get, I think, a lot of people really, really anxious about this situation. I think the reality for this team right now as they begin to game plan for Oakland and beyond, also with Kubiak and Stefanski and Zimmer to a certain degree, is going to be you've got to find ways, unfortunately. I hate to say this because it's, it's bad for a quarterback making – making 10 bucks, let alone $84 million over three years. You've got to find a way to take Kirk Cousins out of the game as much as possible more and more, and, here, and here's why. So let's talk about the mental impact of Kirk on himself, okay? So he goes to the podium today, and I appreciate the fact that he owns up to it, says, this is my fault, blah, 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 and he's exactly right. Um, but what you can also see was at, at one point he was talking about the pick, blah, blah, and all the mistakes he made and on and on and on. And I asked the question, how do you fix this? Like, what's the fix? It's great. You're telling us what went wrong. But what do you plan on doing as a professional to fix these problems? And Kirk's response, you know, was every game's a separate game. And I have to forget this game. That is a problem because that is him telling himself he knows damn well that this game when next Sunday's game against Oakland starts that the week two game against the Packers at Lambeau Field is going to be in his head he's trying to tell himself that he's not telling me that or or the rest of the people in that press conference he's trying to convince himself that I have to put this game out of my head but the problem I think with Cousins is throughout his time as a starter he can never purge that and so week to week to week he's always thinking about what could go wrong what he has screwed up I think he's a mental mess, and and when it comes to, to athletes, and I'm not just talking QBs, I'm talking baseball players, pitchers, anything, when you are constantly thinking about what you've screwed up, and more importantly, how can I not screw up again, it becomes a real problem, and I don't think that Cousins, I think Cousins is trying to convince himself that he needs to forget this because he knows he can't. He's always processing what's gone wrong. He fumbles too much, so he thinks about that, right? He's throwing. He, how easy is it when you're on the run and you've been playing quarterback in this league for eight years and starting for five, how easy is it on first down to take a football and launch it as far as you can into the stands? It's as simple. I mean, I don't have the arm strength personally to do that, but I do think I've got the mental capacity where I could toss the ball away from trouble instead of either trying to make a play and or and, – and if this is the case, it's really scary – thinking that you're, there actually might be a play to be made where you're going to throw into double coverage when you are trying to come back and win a football game. So I really think that that Cousins' problems, because he's got physical abilities. He definitely can throw oh, the, the ball. He as really you said, can, the ball yeah. to digs. The ball to digs today was fantastic. The ball to digs in week one was fantastic. I think that we're talking far more about the mental capacity and mental thought processes with Kirk than physical. And Matthew... I don't think that you can coach those out of a human being at any point. Yeah. So that that's the problem here. I think exactly that's right, that he is who he is, and there's a reason that another franchise walked away from him, and none of this is ever really going to change, and the feeling from fans after this game has to be very much resigned to their fate. I mean, right? Like, I don't know how you could feel any other way. Now, it is week two. It is uh, a time to overreact early in the season to certain teams' starts to the year, and we've seen plenty of 0-2. I know they're 1-1, and but even 0-2 teams that look horrendous change things around and everything else like that. But I think this is the type of game that really shows you what has to happen in order to win with Kirk Cousins. So I would not mark it down I would never once Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl you could never mark anything down as impossible uh, Peyton Manning played about as bad as you could possibly play in the regular season won a Super Bowl we've seen Rex Grossman get to a Super Bowl we've seen Joe Flacco have an insane insane playoffs and win one so I would never say that it cannot absolutely cannot happen but I think what we're saying now after a game like this is that even with all the right pieces in the right places and a defense that plays for the most part a really good game aside from the first couple drives is you have to have your defense win games for you and your running back win games for you. And where I would go back to then is to say, well, wasn't that the case with Case Keenum? Sorry. 
And also, Lamar Jackson looks pretty good, but we'll wait on that one. I mean, they could have drafted him, and they could have kept Case Keenum. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, I will always understand it. I will always understand. The knee did not look good, and it's uh, too risky with a Super Bowl team, so I understand moving on from him. Case Keenum would have come back at a fairly cheap price. You could have drafted Lamar Jackson, who was there on the board. You could have done those things. And Case Keenum probably gives you the same as Kirk Cousins here. He probably gives you the same. He probably makes throws that you can't explain like he did sometimes in 2017 only they worked but they wouldn't always he probably has to have an amazing running game the number one defense all these things and he certainly can't have offensive pass interferences take touchdowns off the board like these things cannot happen nothing can go wrong in order for Kirk Cousins to win a big important game he needs everything to go right his way and he'll still at times make some type of play like he did in Philly last year throwing it backwards like he's always going to make some type of play that makes it harder to win and that is why he's a 500 quarterback and it's hard to see him being much more than that but Jed we should talk about these other things that went wrong including the offensive pass interference in the end zone on Delvin Cook which is one of the most preposterous calls or just even referee decisions that I've ever been a part of in covering a game where everyone in the press box, everyone on the field, probably everyone watching at home, probably the broadcast, everyone was completely baffled by why they looked back at a play and found Delvin Cook bumping into someone as being the reason that uh, that, that, that uh, they couldn't have that touchdown stand so, up. So it, it's a touchdown, it's a three-yard touchdown pass to Diggs on the field. And every, every touchdown then is looked at again by the officials and the replay officials in New York, which we know it's been that way for a long time. But what I didn't realize until today was they then look for potential pass interference penalties on that play. And the flag was actually thrown from New York, not the officials here. And so they took it off the board and my God. And by the way, too, it was a pick basically. It's really ticky tack. So, I've said to you, it's not like he even I, like went out of his but way I, to hit but the I guy. Sa- I said to you, I think to erase, I think to to erase calls or change things on PIs, it needs to be Saints Rams egregious. So if it's that egregious and you're like, okay, that's a penalty, then you probably got it right. But if it's a pick play or a ticky tack play like that, and you're looking at it on replay and taking it away, really, and that's what you're going to do. And now my question is this. So if I'm a coach, I call the league tonight and I say, so when should I throw my challenge flag? Because if you're going to call it, I can throw, I can challenge almost every play. Like this is idiotic. And I, I'm not saying this uh, being pro Vikings. If this went against the Packers, it's equally as stupid. But if that's going to be what they're going to consider um, a pass interference that can be reviewed by anybody and then called, okay, then every big play, I'm throwing that, I'm throwing that challenge flag and when they don't overturn it i'm taking out this replay and show it and saying oh wait a second here you call this on delvin cook but you're not going to call this and i I don't care if i'm sean payton or or uh, bruce arians in tampa i'm using this play and saying if you're going to call this then we got to call it every single time what they're doing i have no clue there and again i'm not saying this because it screwed the vikings i'm saying this because i didn't know that we were now going to have a standard that was that loose and by the way comes on a replay Matthew, this is idiotic. Now, what I didn't know about, and I guess our buddy Kevin Seifert, who covers this stuff, did, but uh, I must have missed that in his reporting throughout the summer, was that when a point is scored, that they're going to look at everything. So, I mean, can you imagine the slippery slope of this? So think about, like, for a field goal. It's a score, right? So, oh, look, somebody lined up wrong over somebody. Oh, look, there was a a hold. Like, is that where we're eventually going to get with this But it's only replay-eligible things, right? Well, yeah. So, so like, if you see a hold, if you see an egregious hold, you can't call that from New York. Of course, but my point is, are we eventually going to get to where every play has to go back to New York and take a second look at it? Because this Delvin Cook thing was them scoring. There's no call on the field. There's no review asked for by Matt LaFleur. Now, if Matt LaFleur had said, hey, look to me like there was a pick play there and they reviewed it, I would have said, oh, okay, well, I guess he nailed it. I guess that was a pick play. I would also kind of be mad because it's ticky tacky and I hate that. I mean, it, it was very clear that they wanted egregious examples right they wanted delvin cook tackling a guy in that situation in order to get a touchdown not bumping into him 
by accident. It didn't even look like Delvin Cook did it on purpose. But that should have to be a challenge. And he was so confused. But yes, you're right. It should be a challenge. If it's a challenge, that's fine. But we're going to go back and we're going to look at, what, every player to see if they did something that's an infraction eventually? Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's, yes. uh, it's just too much. It's just too much. And I remember we talked about wanting some version of pass interference replay because they're big plays and they can change the game. And I'm still not against that. I'm still not against being able to review it. I think it's worked out mostly fine in these other games where I've seen it. They usually are getting it right. Like, oh, sorry, buddy, that wasn't egregious enough. So back back to playing the rest of the game and you lose your timeout or whatever. So coaches kind of have this feel for, all right, it better be something real crazy for me to throw the flag. So on to that end, I think it's worked out fine. But I didn't realize this. I didn't realize we were going to look at every dang player and say, oh, did he run into but somebody? Think, but do you think if LaFleur – so let's say the touchdowns were not automatically looked at again. And LaFleur had thrown a challenge or, yeah, thrown his challenge flag and said, I think I saw Cook pick up, pick my guy on that play. Do you think for one second, given what we've seen so far on the normal reviews of PIs, that that's called? Because I don't. I don't. That play doesn't even come close. But they found it on their review. This is what I don't get. And so what's the standard now? So it's not egregious. It's I bump you. I bump you. And that's because if that's the case, then I'm going to then I'll challenge everything. Yeah. And I'll keep winning. Yeah. I mean, because that's now if that is the thing and you uh, bring those to the league and you say, well, I challenge this one and you you didn't overturn it because you said it wasn't egregious enough. But when they sent it back to New York, we did overturn it. I mean, it's just uh, it's a monster that we let out of the box and is now eating all of our faces like that is what we did. But It doesn't need to be this way. I, I totally like agree. It's, it's, that's I, what can, we did. I can fix it tomorrow. I can call New York and say, unless it's challenged by the coach, we're not looking for that. Yeah. We are looking for whatever we looked for on scoring plays, which I think is basically did the guy score. Okay. So like, let's continue to look for that. That's fine. But unless the coach tells me he's challenging it, in which case he can lose a challenge. I'm not going to say, Oh boy, look at that in slow motion. Look at that 33. You know what? I think he I think he picked that player. I wouldn't even be mad. I would not even be upset about what happened here today and how much they botched this. If Delvin Cook had thrown his body into the guy's knees and Diggs had caught it and gone in, then I would have said, ah, sorry, bud, they got you. What my problem is, is the actual infraction was so soft. And then there's a call on Thielen that's pretty soft where they're battling. And then there's another one on Stefan Diggs that may have given the Vikings a chance to set up a field goal at the end of the half. And all it is was a typical receiver throwing out his arm a little bit like we've seen 100 million times in the National Football League by receivers, and that's an offensive PI too? But Matthew, we're back to week two. It's a different rule now, but we're back to week two of 2018. Clay Matthews got screwed. He landed on Cousins. It was no big deal. And and that resulted in a pick, and by the way, then game done, Green Bay wins. And in week two, that was called. And guess what? By week eight, no way that's called. And I can guarantee you that what we saw today, what we saw called – uh, pass interference today won't be called by week eight. And that's why this is such a joke. Like, get your acts together. This isn't that hard. This isn't that difficult. And by the way, too, here's something else, too. So not, so that, that this rant on officiating is not just all pro-Vikings throughout the whole thing. Uh, Garrett Bradbury was basically trying to chokehold Cl- uh, Kenny Clark in the first half, and they didn't start calling a hold on him until the second half when it was clear that Mr. Clark said, I'm being choked. Like, my, in, the inside of my shoulder pad's being grabbed. Kenny Clark's a great player, okay? I was watching, because the matchup was so hard to watch, but I did. I was watching <laughs> the matchup in my field glasses, and he literally, I saw at least three times, just grabbed him. So, you know what? Let's look for that. Like, instead of being like, well, look at all those, because of the Saints-Rams game, I'm going to really come down on pass interference today. Let's look for real penalties my center, who's not very good, grabbing your basically Pro Bowl nose tackle, that's a penalty. So this is not hard. You can throw you can throw hankies till the cows come home, man, but at least do it with some justification and some smarts. Okay, uh, let's talk about the kicking just a little bit. And uh, before we mention that, we have to mention Stephon Diggs taking off his helmet. And as much as Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL, every once in a while he does something where he gets upset and he costs his team a little bit, and I don't think that was an issue so much 
recently, but maybe 2015, 2016, when he would get overly amped up. I can't think of another instance aside from the Minneapolis Miracle where him throwing the helmet was pretty great. Uh, but of getting penalties and things like that. I felt like he did that in 2016 when the team was struggling and he was getting frustrated like what happened out there today and taking off the helmet was, as Mike Zimmer put it, selfish. It was egregious. It was stupid, foolish, idiotic, whatever word you want to say. But you have to make the extra point. It's not unmakeable for Dan Bailey and yet he ends up getting the kick blocked, hard to say whose fault that was, whether it was a slow snap or whether it was, I don't know, a mishold by the holding guru Britton Colquitt or if he just kicked it too much of a line drive. But you also get a missed field goal on this day. How thrilled should Dan Bailey be uh, that Kirk Cousins ultimately messed it up because otherwise we would have been looking at him and saying, uh, hey, buddy, you know, they already tried to cut you the first time and then you miss a field goal here and then you get an extra point blocked not a great day for other stuff, too, starting with uh, Diggs on that penalty and Dan Bailey. Unfortunately, yeah. When, when it comes to the Vikings kicking game, at least here at Lambeau Field, the more things change, the more they absolutely stay the exact same. And, uh, yeah, the Diggs thing. So so the so if Diggs touchdown, the cook was that was called back and actually ended up with a Bailey field goal, if that had been allowed to stand, the three-year touchdown, which it should have been, Matthew, and if, um, and if uh, what, they uh, there, there was another one where the, this game could have been tied at 21. At 21. Yep. Oh, if Diggs then catches the touchdown, keeps his helmet on, mm -hmm. and doesn't take it, it off, and we assume that Bailey makes the field goal there, this game's tied at 21. So, yeah, the kicking game just continues. I, I don't know what to say at this point. Uh, I don't know what you can doing? say. Yeah, and, and is Bailey... Is Bailey totally at fault? I have no clue. I mean, you brought in a new a new holder and Cole quit for him. I really don't know. But yeah, the the digs thing and, and it looked like he took off his helmet to sort of verbally jab with the fans, which you just don't need to do. And I I thought as he came back to the sideline that Thielen was one of the first people that said something, and it didn't look like congratulations for that touchdown catch. Yep. It looked like what are you thinking? Don't do that. So yeah, I mean the Viking. Listen, let's start with this too. I mean, to be fair. There was a lot of dumb football played on both sides. Oh, of course. Aaron Rodgers course. thinking it's first down when it's fourth. Down. I mean, there was a lot of dumb football pl played here. There was there was a lot of mediocre, well, Cousins case bad, but um, this was this was these games are always here against the Vikings interesting, if I can put it that way. The last two have not necessarily been well played. And today was, I would not say, well played. And the Packers got off to that great start. Their offense was humming. It was up-tempo. And I thought to myself, oh, boy, this is impressive. And then they decided to go to the run game and slow it down. So I put this on both teams. This was not a well-played game. Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 6.1 yards per attempt, which wouldn't have been good in 1988. And uh, two touchdowns, of course, and a 39 QBR. And a great start. And an unbelievable I mean, start and did nothing start. after, was sacked twice, including once where I thought Daniil Hunter may have murdered him, and he's lucky to be alive. Oh, and by the way, last year, Hunter called for a penalty on that sack. Oh, yeah, definitely. Came in, sli definitely came in slightly high. Yep. There is no question that's a 15-yard yep. first down last year. I would also like to point out that I was chuckling a little bit to myself throughout the game when they got up 14 to nothing, or maybe it was 21. I got a run of tweets that said, ha, you talked about Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, and look, Rodgers started the game great, so you're an idiot. And uh, it's become great fun of everything that happens is now like an opportunity to just like insult somebody online. It's a great 2019 thing that's happened. But 209 yards at 6.1 yards per attempt, a 39 QBR and 18 yards lost to sacks is not exactly a Hall of Fame performance by Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. Um, so it kind of speaks to the Packers are dealing with a little bit of this on their own. So they're 2-0, and and they get to be really excited. But they got up 21 to nothing, barely held on, only because of a Vikings mistake. They played really, really good defense, but their defense also got trucked in the running game at a lot of times in this game, 198 yards rushing at 7.3 yards per attempt. And I know it's Delvin Cook, but that doesn't exactly inspire uh, you to think that they're going to be the 1985 Bears. Nope. So, I mean... This this division after this game, I still look at it as 
being very much wide open, being very much kind of crazy stuff could still happen. The Bears won in an absolutely bizarre and wild game against Denver, 16 to 14, in which they got the benefit of a terrible penalty. Big surprise in the shock. National Football League. And then, well, now here, here's what will shock you: the Bears kicker made it to win. He made a game-winning kick. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Somebody in this godforsaken league has to. Anyway, so it, it wasn't exactly an inspiring performance by the Green Bay Packers that made me think, oh, well, this team is Super Bowl-bound for sure, and, boy, I would be totally fine with paying Aaron Rodgers $37 million on the cap in 2022, all right? Uh, I didn't think he looked particularly great other than a couple of good throws, as he's always going to make, but not the same dominant player that existed a few years ago and that's more obnoxious if you're a Vikings fan is you held the guy down again which you've done many times in a recent pass with Mike Zimmer to only 21 points completely shut out in the second half and you didn't come away with a win so is there anything else that you would like to discuss Judd before we wrap this up yeah my one my one last thought is this uh it's time that we severely reprioritize what we think and by that Kirk Cousins was signed in March of 2018 with the goal being that this would be really a final piece to a 13-3 team and that this team would probably have great success in 2018. It might be a Super Bowl team or, or could be, very well could be. I think we need to reprioritize as of right now after this week two loss and say this. This could be a playoff team. The Vikings could be a playoff team. And, and I think that that should be the goal here. I have no idea if you make the playoffs, can can you make a run because your defense is, is marvelous and Delvin Cook is a great player? Perhaps. I don't know. It's probably a big-time long shot. But I really think that we need to just put any hope of playoff success behind for now, and and you have to cross your fingers that this defense and coaching staff is, is good enough to scheme this team to the playoffs because as far as I'm concerned now, that's it. I mean, the quarterback can't – he can't handle he can manage games and if you put him in in a position to do that i don't think he's going to cost you every week but you know you paid him a lot it's now a sunk cost ultimately might cost people like spielman their jobs i don't know but to have any more conversations about the probabilities of this team ah, they might make a deep playoff run you can't say that anymore so like let's just end that the thing that you can hang on to right now is that this defense even though it had some lapses and nate metters was in the game today and someone beat him for a touchdown geronimo allison even though that happened you're getting holton hill back eventually mike hughes will be back soon everson griffin looked freaking great again today i mean just i like your d i like what a monster i'm not telling you i don't like this defense i'm with you on that so in terms of how good you could be i mean yeah, there's plenty of games that can be won alone by the defense. I don't think Detroit's going to beat this team. But uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm sure Chicago's going to beat them with the way that Mitch Trubisky's played. What I'm saying is clearly set your sight on the playoffs, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. An expectation of anything beyond that now, a year plus ago, seemed very realistic, and now to me it seems foolish. Yeah, and then you have to kind of think, what did you do here? If that's where they come short, the conversation we're going to be having at the end of the year, I think there's a few. One is, was it really smart to draft a center instead of a left tackle? I'm, I'm probably always going to ask that because that's just positional value. I loved the pick at the time in terms of its fit for what they wanted to do, so I will say that. But at the same time, the pass protection has still not been great for Kirk Cousins. And that's been problematic at times when he gets hit early, when he struggles early with the pressure, then it seems to carry over where he's missing guys high. I mean, he had... Kyle Rudolph in the end zone, he overthrew him. He had a completion on the third down right there for him that he overthrew a number of passes that should have been there that looked like he was seeing ghosts. And we saw that last year. The more he got pressured early in the season, he was okay against the pressure. But then the more it got ramped up, that was when he really struggled. And so there will be those types of things. You'll wonder... Was it worth putting it all into the defense and bringing those guys back? But you'll definitely start to ask if this continues to happen. He's got lots of opportunities to make amends for this. He's got two weeks from now against Chicago. He's got five primetime games that we haven't gotten to yet. So he's going to have every chance in the world to take everything we said in the first 20 minutes and throw it in the garbage and say, showed you guys, right? Showed all you fans who doubted me, showed you media, whatever. He's going to have those chances. But if he doesn't, then we're going to start saying, well, what's next? And that this didn't work. And we might be saying, okay, who's the GM now? Who's the coach now? I mean, Zimmer was aware of this when they signed him. 
He was aware of this. He said it at the combine. If we make the wrong decision, we're all going to end up out of jobs. And a game like today, that is a get people fired eventually game where you won it and your quarterback, I mean, you outplayed the other team largely and your quarterback gave it away. So I guess that's the the, the final word yep. from uh, Green Bay is uh, it just one of those games that if Kirk Cousins isn't the quarterback, you probably win. So, all right. That's it for us. A four QBR. I don't remember ever seeing a four before, but now I have. And Judd, you have to see the penalty that was called on the Broncos to lose the game for Denver. Oh my gosh. Before we wrap up, just look at it. This was this this right here was a roughing the passer that gave Chicago a chance. To oh, too much game. weight on Trubisky. Too much weight on There's Trubisky. There's way too much weight. That's 93.2% of his weight landing on this, Trubisky. This That's league, a clear cut. You know what, Judd? Give me back, was it a catch? I said it. Give me back, what is a catch? No, don't give, give me it that back. back. Fix, Get fix, rid of this stuff. Fix, fix your problems. Get, ri- get rid of the roughing the passer in the OPIs. You're all being idiots. Give me back, what's a fix catch? It, I'll the, take it. But, but, but the Saints-Rams thing's egregious. I'm all for getting that right. You don't need to call picks. You don't need to call. You can't judge body weights. You know what I would do? Will we ever live just in a quickly, world where these people are even just decent I've at their got jobs? Your, I've got the solution. You know what I would do? I would immediately, if I was commissioner tomorrow, disband the competition committee. I'm sick of yeah, coaches. Clueless. I'm sick of coaches who are buzzed on wine, looking at things 87 times and deciding in slow-mo that should be a penalty. Yeah. You know what? I would yep. disband. I know. I'm dead serious. I would disband it. And I would say, here's who's in charge from now. Me. And, and here are the rules. And by the way, I'm cutting the rule book in half. Because these officials have no... Sh- they, I almost feel bad for them at times. They've got no... Ch- and now you're getting calls from New York? Oh, boy. It's a mess. Al Riveron is going to be... He is going to be the next guy to take a TV job, I guarantee you, after this year. These guys... The reason why all these officials have quit and why the supervisors never last is because when CBS says, we'll pay, uh, we'll pay a 500000 they're like, hell yeah, get me out. <laughs> get me out of Goodell's. Is that mess. how they say it? We'll give you 500000 why, why do they have a uh, officials southern all, accent? Because officials always do. Oh. It's like pilots. Welcome to Southwest Airlines. We'll be flying at 35,000 uh, okay. feet. Is, you've had too much cheese in Wisconsin. No, so. I had a great prime rib. Uh, all right. Uh, we will catch you. Every day this week from 2 to 4, make sure that when you download the episodes, you also give us the rating because that helps other people find more episodes of the Purple Podcast and Purple Daily. So thank you all and sorry about all this. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.